Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 103 and we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey guys, how are you guys doing? Hello. Is that... Pretty good. Is that What's doggy that? in your background, Sarah, or in your background, Jen? It's in I believe it is my background. Because, oh, okay. You know... I, at first I thought it was Taffy. I'm like, oh my gosh, Taffy sounds like very <laughs> upset. <laughs> nope, it is my neighborhood dogs being very upset at, you know, existing. Life. Uh, <laughs> life yeah i mean big mood i can understand them but i just wish they would tone it down a little bit but you know just oh. feel like that sometimes it, yeah totally um, they're very upset <laughs> um so guys i actually went to black star collectibles on saturday because oh. Oh, yeah. yeah, Greg yeah. Anderson, say came all the way down from the East Coast to do a signing here in Carson, California, um, adjacent to Compton, California. So we're like neighbors. If, if I had to bike there, I would get there in 30 minutes. But, <laughs> wow. but, uh, yeah, it was really great to see him. And when I got there, I actually had to stand in line like I was like the third person in line to get st my stuff signed. So that was cool. It was really great to catch up with him. He actually told me that for him, he usually comes to California on in February because there was a convention he used to he was he attended before COVID, and uh, um, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's in San Diego. It's a Black Creators uh, um, uh, convention. I forgot the name. I, I can't remember it right now. But oh this wow, year, this year it was canceled, and um, but he still came down because it's usually when he takes a vacation is in February. So mm. he contacted um, Black Star Collectibles, and they arranged for him to do a signing. So that was really really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was really great to see him, and uh, that is he is the creator of Isnana the Were Spider, and he told me that. Uh, he's uh, he's possibly launch launching two more books on Isnana this year, so I'm very excited to nice read up on that. And also, I purchased Volume Two, which he says people uh, um, liked Volume Two more. So now I'm really excited to read Volume Two. So uh, and and I got my Kickstarter just in time, the Showtime book. So he was able to sign that too. So it was just oh, like really, a really cool. uh, perfect scenario. So um, shout out to him at Blackstar Collectibles. So and what what about you guys? What did what did you guys do this weekend? Um, I had to fend off the pokey fiends at the shop. <laughs> I do not generally work on Saturdays, but I was covering for somebody, and a new Pokemon set was just released uh, this weekend, and. Um, I am not lying. The phone was ringing off the hook since Thursday and everybody wanting to know if we had any shiny fates and coming into the store. And is this all you have? And literally trying to buy everything we had um, at mm -hmm. once. And I had to multiple, multiple times tell people, I'm sorry, no, we're not allowing um, more than one per customer. And it was just crazy. So um, I am, uh, 
Looking forward to Hora de la Cervecita today. <laughs> I need to decompress. <laughs> and you want to know the ironic thing is that it's not even kids. It's no. full-grown adults <laughs> that are clamoring for this Pokemon stuff. They are they are addicted. And, and the thing that was very um, telling to me, too, is that most of the people, I'm not saying actually most, all of the people that I sold product to yesterday, I had never seen before in my life. So towards the end of the day, I, I put a couple of things aside and I was like, okay, I'm going to sell, sell these specifically to people who um, are regulars and I know come and are going to return and not just people that are randomly showing up because they're after Pokemon. So I did that and um, uh, the person that I ended up selling it to was so, so, so thankful and grateful and very happy and excited and was taking pictures and all kinds of stuff. But I was glad I did that because that, to me, I was telling the rest of my employees that I would rather build our community than the pocketbooks of flippers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Oh, the, when we would... Uh when I was doing Pokemon on Sundays, like, yeah, that's, there's a reason I would ask, like, hey, can you please set aside a box? Because I knew, like, there are kids and their parents and stuff like that, that they'd be looking for this stuff. The amount of times that a lot of parents came to me and said, like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you still have this because we went to Target, we went to Walmart, we went to all these other places, and none of them had it, but you guys do, and this is why we come back. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Definitely. really extraordinary because, I mean, for me like just to have the day be done with i would have just sold them off off all at once and then, <laughs> and, then like, and then everybody that came in would be like do you have a nope we're out I <laughs> we're already out. Like, okay call it a day it's quitting gone time. fishing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really oh, awesome yeah. that shows like you guys really put a lot of heart into the store and i think that's wonderful like i said if it were me, I would have been like, all right, they're all gone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, oh, you just gave me war flashbacks, Kristen, to <laughs> dealing with, like, I honestly, that's why I could, like, I liked and put up with the kids was because the kids, like, a lot of their behavior can be brushed off as them being kids and them being excited about a product. The adults, on the other one, I'm just like, you're a grown ass man and you're trying to, oh, first of all, get, give me attitude. Uh, and second of all, like you, you will, you are literally, and one of them did do this. They pushed the kid out of the way to try to get towards the packs. <laughs> oh my God. And, no way. and I looked at them and I was like, no, like I give them the full judgment stare. And I was just like, did you just do that in front of me? And I was like, nah, nah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, <laughs> damn, you're really doing this over Pokemon? Of all things? Yeah. Pokemon? Like, I get it. Pokemon's cool, but I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, man. That is super crazy. Um, also, I want to remind our listeners that we still have that um, raffle going on. You ha- All you have to do is rate and review our podcast, subscribe, and comment on our YouTube channel. To be entered in a drawing to win uh, the first two 
issues of lightning strikes by Marcus Newsom. So um, we look forward to reading your wonderful or very sad and depressing uh, ratings. But please do. <laughs> I, I totally, we still haven't had any salt thrown at us, but it would be really awesome to read and we will read it on air. So that's another, another little extra incentive. So please remember to rate and review or subscribe and comment on our social media or um, actually CastBox is one and iTunes, Apple iTunes and also YouTube. Um, so thanks so much for that. All right, guys, it's now time for La Hora de Que, Kristen? <laughs> la hora de la cervecita and i'm so looking forward to it i honestly because i hadn't been drinking alcohol uh in january except for literally the little bit of tasting that i did for the podcast once a week i have missed beer and i'm really enjoying finishing the cans that we opened <laughs> on the week <laughs> weekends now that we're trying so today um i asked eddie to pick the beer that we are going to be drinking and he picked this can solely based on the can art and i have to say it's pretty darn cool um <laughs> this is a beer uh brewed by paperback brewing company and the can is kind of like set up as like a like a little um uh noir pulp uh, paperback and the name of the book i mean of the of the beer is one night with nora and then the little uh byline underneath says she was the life and the death of the party and it shows these um very shapely gams in some black high heels um with fishnet stockings the cool sexy kind with the line up the back uh, and there's a guy that's dead with blood running out of his mouth in a bathtub. And she's just standing over uh, him. So that mm -hmm. is the cool can art. And, and Eddie picked it um, based on that. And I, um, I'm i here for it. It's super cool. It's a blonde ale. It's a 5.1 alcohol by volume. And this brewery I've never heard of before in my life. And I'm kind of upset with myself because they're located right here in L.A. County in Glendale, California. And when you go to their website, paperback.la, um, they have some really super cool named beers. And the can art is so cool on every single one of them. Um, I'd like to know if they have how where they got the artist from or who the graphic designer is. So cool. Some of the names of the of the beers, um, the one that I really want to try. It's seasonal. Um, it's called Dr. Strawberry. It's a milkshake IPA, and it's made with marshmallow and strawberry quick. Mm -hmm. That sounds so weird, but also so good. I used to love <laughs> strawberry quick as a kid. Oh, me I too. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, it, and it doesn't really taste like strawberries, but mm -hmm. that flavor is so just like indicative it's of what you expect when you drink strawberry quick. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Like oh, other uh, kids would be like, I want the chocolate Nesquik, and I'd be like, Nah, fam, I want the <laughs> strawberry one. Uh, so some of the other beers that they have um, are Attack of the Space Cats, which is a hazy IPA, uh, Communist Poodles from Connecticut, which is an American <laughs> stout, uh, Satan wears pajamas, which is an American red ale. Uh, Death of a Disco Dancer, which is a West Coast IPA. Uh, and the Bunny with a Chainsaw is a hazy double IPA. Now, that's just a handful of super cool, interesting, unique, and creative beers that they have. They also have a Viva Lucha Libre, which is a Mexican lager. I'm always interested to try different breweries' interpretations of Mexican lagers because basically what that I want to see what that brewery can do with a watered down, no taste, <laughs> historically watered down, no taste beer. Like, what can you do with that? Like, make me like it. So uh, maybe we can try out that Viva Lucha Libre um, here pretty soon. Um, but <laughs> our one night with Nora is, like I said, a blonde ale. It's using Sterling and Cascade hops, and it is a um, moderate uh, 5.1 ABV. So, um, and Sarah, where did you pick this beer up? Um, I got this at a new location I found on Torrance Boulevard and Hawthorne. And it's right beside the gas station on the corner. And it's called Corks and Caps. Mm. And it basically looks on the, and it, the cool thing about this place is not only does it have local craft beer uh, selection, but they also serve food. So like you could get, Oh, like they do. I didn't know that. So when you go in there, you, that you, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. You go in for the beer, but you stay for the food is what they told me. So the second time that I went, I actually got a, a cheeseburger. It's called basic bitch cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I chose that because I just wanted to say that out loud, <laughs> but, um, so um, I got it there and it's uh, um, I actually got it for the can art as well. I was like, oh, my God, this looks like a, a like a, one of the little pulp novellas that I used to read in Mexico. Yeah. So um, and I, I like the fact that it's a, a blonde ale. So it's different from, you know, IPAs that I always choose. So that was really exciting to me. And um, yeah, can art is basically what got me. I did see that they did have the strawberry quick one, but they only had two cans. So that oh. meant that we can't, couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't review it, review right. it here on the podcast. It means it's popular though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what this uh, <clears throat> place, they have like a, you can buy the four pack that's in the, the sliding door uh, refrigeration places, mm -hmm. but then there's a little section in the middle of the store where they sell just individual cans. And that's where that oh. one was. They only had two, but they did have that Mexican lager you were talking about in the four cans. So maybe I'll, oh. if they still have it, I'll pick it up. But yeah, it's a new place. They're really, they're really friendly. The very first time I went, I just kind of stood, cause I just like to browse. I was just standing, like just looking at the cans. And immediately uh, this fellow came and just said, what would you like? Uh, what, um, what interests you and uh, maybe I can help you out with your selection and so um <clears throat> so that's that was really cool like I was like well I like IPAs and you know we had a conversation about beer and stuff so it was just really uh, kind of a hands-on approach to customer service I didn't feel like they were pressuring me into anything a lot of suggestions and stuff like that or maybe something they drank and were like you might want to try this one I feel that's really delicious so I thought it was really cool but yeah, that's how I got this can. 
Did you try it already, Jen? Uh, I did. Um, it's a, uh, how do, okay, so I made a mistake. Um, I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich and a bunch of Starburst uh, before drinking this. Yeah. So I think the leftovers of all of that were still in my mouth when I drank it because I was like, what is this taste that I'm tasting? It's like, it's like sweet and nutty. And then I was like, wait, I had food before this. But um, I don't hate it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have, uh, oh God. Uh, do you remember when we drank uh, the Famosa that we that I brought back from Guatemala a while ago? Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this tastes like a stronger but less tasty version of that yeah yeah and I, so I totally it's like feel that yes like it's not like the the famosa the one that we drank was like it it wasn't it wasn't watery but it like it had some it had some it had good taste to it like mm -hmm. but it, it you could definitely tell that it was like a lager this this one yeah it's a lager and it has like a stronger beer taste if that makes any sense but i'm not quite but it's not as it's not as savory as the famosa was yeah so, i get i get where you're coming from mm -hmm. definitely so like i'm gonna drink it and I, honestly i'm kind of i'm i kind of want to eat more of the candy and drink the beer at the same time because that makes it taste better um uh, <laughs> this is a this is a common thing with me i that we've seen is that i i eat i eat some candy with the beer if i don't think it's sweet enough or if i don't think it's tasty enough <laughs> Oh my god, that's so true. Remember when you put in that lollipop in that beer just to give it some flavor? It tasted better with the lollipop, and I stand by this. Like, it, I'm eating Starburst candy right now, and I'm drinking the beer, and let me tell you, it tastes a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I'm not completely displeased by it, by def but definitely the best part of this can, it's its art. And <laughs> the name of, of the beer, One Night Nora. I think it's a good chill back beer. I think this oh, is yeah. a beer that I would give uh, to people who have only drunk, uh, which we call it like Modelo and all of those stuff. And I'd be like, like, here's this cool looking novelty one if you want to taste it. Mm -hmm. um, um, and like, I'll drink it. It's not it's not bad. It's definitely not the worst thing we've ever had. No. But it's, <laughs> uh, I, it's middling is what I'm trying to say um it's uh yes it's it's un i wouldn't say I, I wouldn't call it uneventful but it's like not mediocre either it's it's just right it's sort of just it's it's like a nap in the afternoon it's just right it's a good chill back beer <laughs> yeah, yeah what do you think Kristen? well definitely um a little bit less full and flavorful that I it was expecting, especially because it is calling itself an ale, but it does taste more like a lager. Um, mm -hmm. Ales generally are a little bit more full-bodied and flavorful, and there is a little bit more of um, like a, a flavor uh, profile that you can discern as you're drinking, but um, this definitely has... Um, less of all of that than what I thought it was going to. And also for being an ale, it sure does have a uh, hoppy aftertaste. It does, um, doesn't it? It has like, yeah. a, a, like a bitterness mm -hmm. aftertaste. Yeah. yeah. 
Which is so, probably why I'm eating my candy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I completely agree, I think, with both of you is that um, I'm not going to not drink it, but I definitely would not like I I don't know that I would buy it again. No. Um I think I've I've had lagers and and pilsners and ales, blonde ales that are more flavorful flavor flavorful than this. Um so I I think that I'm ready to rate it um mm-hmm. just based on all that. So for those listeners who may or may not remember, we do rate our beers on a five-point scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, four out of five is full, and a five out of five is rigid. And if a beer just knocks our socks off, uh, it is a six out of five with a Super Saiyan. So I'll go ahead and start, and I'm going to actually give it an initial. Um, it definitely it has me a little bit more excited than a flaccid. Um, there's a little bit of, of uh, action there, uh, so I'll go ahead and give it um, a an, an initial. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I'm going to give it an initial. It's definitely unremarkable, but the can art is really impressive. So um, it's not something I would throw away because it's not – unpleasant but it's not like wow so i'm just gonna yeah i think all of us are um hard pressed to find any beer or alcohol drink that we ever throw away (laughs) (laughs) except that one time the the one time with the little can with the little like uh, i think it was like a baseball i forgot what it was but that was just gross that one i did throw away Uh, but yeah um yeah initial for me what about you jen I'm gonna go. Well, I was gonna. I was actually gonna be kind and give it a partial, but I mean, the fact that I'm eating candy to take away the af- the bitter aftertaste for it. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm. I think I will go with your guys' decision and go with uh, initial as well. So a two out of five all around for one night with Nora. Looks like there's still a second date with Dor- Nora, huh? <laughs> well, not for the guy in the bathtub, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it looks like we're ghosting Nora. <laughs> All right, guys, it's now time for Chisme de la Semana. And today I have some chisme, guys. I'm, I'm quite excited about this, actually. Like, I'm so excited to share this with you guys. It turns out that Dis- the Disney Channel is launching a live-action Lucha Libre show. It's um, it's going to be uh, starring Ultraviolet and Blue Demon, or Blue Demon. It's, it's Blue <laughs> Demon, but for us who grew up with Lucha Libre, it's Blue Demon, okay? And I'm going to stand behind that. It, start, it, <laughs> it stars real life... Uh, real-life luchadors and features a predominantly Latino cast and production team. Um, Wow. The Disney Channel is getting in the ring with a new live-action comedy called Ultraviolet and Blue Demon. The superhero series revolves around the Mexican-American family and will uh, feature a predominantly Latino cast and production team. Ultraviolet and Blue Demon... um, Star as he's starring as a professional wrestler, Blue Demon Jr. is playing that version, uh, is playing a certain version of himself alongside uh Scarlett Estevez, 
Estevez, I'm sorry, uh, when a magical luchador mask selects 13-year-old Violet to become the superhero Ultra, uh, her uncle Blue Demon must train her so that she could, they could work together and fight crime. So that's super that exciting. Cool. I love me some Disney uh, like TV shows. I, I as a full-grown adult. I loved Hannah Montana. I loved <laughs> as a, a twenty-something. Um, I loved Clarissa tells it all. I loved all of those like teeny bopper um, TV shows that Nickelodeon and Disney used to make when I was younger. Uh, so this definitely sounds like something right up my alley. I know, and it's Blue Demon Jr. So for those who don't know, Blue Demon was like a wrestler back in like the 70s. So this is his son. Um, and there was a little there was a little post that I that was following on Facebook where it is said that Blue Demon Jr. did not take off his masks when having meetings. He never took off his mask during the meetings or anything with the with the Disney execs. Really? And, yeah, and I'm like, that's, that's kind of right. cool. Yeah, it totally follows in in the tradition. The lore. Yeah, of his dad and yeah, his mates like uh, Mil Mascaras as well. Like that's mm -hmm. the persona. That's who they are. They're the wrestlers, you know, mm -hmm. or um, or luchadores in this. I like to call them luchadores. I wrestlers. It just doesn't have the same punch for me. Yeah. So, Anyway, that's my cheese man. It's so exciting. I can't wait to. I hope I, they'll stream it on Disney Plus because I definitely want to watch this. Yes, me too. <clears throat> also, Kristen, I know you had some cheese man. Yes, and mine is also Disney related on the Marvel section. Um, Marvel Cinematic Universe has um, put out a call, a casting call, um, seeking two Mayan actors um one male and one female and um they're kind of being hush hush around what it's actually for some people are guessing and this is purely cheesement that it might be for black panther but under how or why um and who these characters might be nobody really knows um the female character is being called zayanya and the male one is Kadmael. Um, and there be uh, the woman is described as a fierce warrior. Um, and uh, the character breakdown breakdown of the female character suggests that the actress should have a strong background in fighting and dance. And for the male, um, they're looking for someone at least six feet tall. Um, and both the character is described as both strong and loyal, and um, they're looking um, for, um, in addition to people of Mayan descent, they're looking um, for people who are from North and South American uh, indigenous descent. So um, that's pretty cool. We hopefully will get more information about who these characters actually are, um, what movie they will be in uh and uh how it all plays into what all the new cool stuff that um dc dc disney <laughs> is doing <laughs> oh, for um the marvel cinematic universe so um keep an ear out for that and i think that's super cool that they're continuing to expand their diversity in um in film 
I'm super glad they're doing that. That's really, really cool. Like, I think they also had a Marvel had a calling out for a a Native American Latina character for casting Echo, too. So, I mean, they're oh, yes, owning Mm -hmm. in on the specifics that they require to fill these roles, which I think is great. I'm super excited about that. I'm so glad they're doing their homework. Yay. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that they that they stick to it because it's very easy to say like oh yeah look we put out the casting call but no one came but like it's like you also have to you know like go looking like have they made these announcements like in like the the hollywood of um uh, guatemala which is the, i know a lot of um uh, recording goes on in the capital of guatemala so i don't know if they've like sent out like if they've put gone talent hunting there as well or if they're just putting it out here in the states mm-hmm. um because that's something that's really interesting to me as someone who has uh has my heritage and stuff like that i want to see i i want to see where this goes and i want to see how they treat it and i want to see what uh it definitely seems like they're definitely going down the myth route so i want to see how they adapt these myths that i grew up with and stuff mm-hmm. like that so uh i am 100 percent excited but also very very judgy and i know there's like oh you should judge stuff and stuff like that but at the same time i was just like no i'll gladly judge I'll watch it, <laughs> but i'll judge it as well so i'm just like i don't think we should all be uncritical of consuming media that represents us i think we should be critical and i think we should demand uh for better stuff but i am i can i am excited i think this is really exciting i'm actually surprised that you found out about this before i did kristen so thank you for for bringing that to my attention Mm -hmm. yeah definitely that's awesome All right, guys, it's now time for our book review. And what are we reviewing today? (laughs) So today, oh, Jen has it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Today we are reviewing Sarai, which uh, was written by Sonica Ellis, drawn uh, and lettered by JC Grand and edited by Jeff Lewis. And I believe it is an independently published book as well, correct? Sarah, you're the one who... Yes, uh, um, I actually saw a Twitter uh, post that one of our friends shared on Facebook. And and I was like, wait a minute, there's a Black woman who made a comic book? Where can I find this book? And immediately I just did a Google search and I was able to uh, purchase this book on Amazon. So I, I, yeah, so Sonica Ellis was born in Kingston, Jamaica, but grew up in a rural, in rural Manchester, Manchester Parish. I don't know what, if that's one word or two. (laughs) After which she immigrated to the United States where she has lived since 2012. Uh, Sonica finds motivation and inspiration from memories of her childhood in rural Jamaica Many of the colorful cast and uh, characters in her village uh, find their way into her stories. Um, So, uh, so yeah, that's, I was like, okay, I need to read this book. I did not read what it was about before I purchased it. I just went ahead and purchased it. Um, So that's what brings us to reviewing this book. I saw that same tweet. Um, Actually, 
actually on it. A lot of people were sharing it on Twitter, and then I actually saw it. I think our mutual friend shared it, and I saw it there too. So when you actually ordered it, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I just read about this, and I I did I did read what it was about, but not really very. It was a very broad description. Um, yes. It, it, I didn't really. Uh, after reading it now, I I don't think I fully comprehended <laughs> what <laughs> the topic was about. Just kind of reading those tweets and the the responses and stuff. So um, the description of the book basically uh, says, "Who is um, Sarai? Um, she is a 12 year old Nigerian girl who whose modest village life is shattered when she is captured by the Kenjo Plek." an extremist organization dedicated to the idea that women and girls should be kept down. Like all extremists, the KJP prepare, are prepared to realize this vision through torture, slavery, and bloodshed. Certain she is going to die, Sarai makes a bargain with an unusual ally in an attempt to save her life and the lives of her fellow captives. Tragedy, trauma, Man's seemingly limitless capacity for cruelty, the frailty of human existence, justice, and retribution are all laid bare in this cutting-edge graphic novel. Now, just reading that sentence makes me emotionally drained, and that is just a fraction of what I felt after I read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, this one's, a, this one's a heavy hitter. Definitely uh could have i when was it published was it published in 2018 i believe 20 or 2018 okay yeah so definitely uh i'm a strong advocate for trigger warnings and stuff like that and i i also get the argument of like you know putting a trigger warnings could spoil some of the stuff that is uh in the book as well so i just like me like you can just put like content warnings or something like you know like yeah. or something like that it doesn't have to be trigger warnings um i was i mean once you gave it to us i honestly thought it was going to be a zombie book or something like that i had no idea what it was about <clears throat> um um but it looked like a zombie that was on the cover so i was just like oh it's gonna be a zombie book it was not a zombie book it was not a zombie book at all uh and <laughs> wow like i honestly wish like i like i could have um um no actually no you know what i did brace myself for it because you very helpfully provided us little little stickies with that said warning on it so i was just like warning what do you mean warning i was just like but i was like i was but in my head it was just gonna be gore uh what yeah. i was not expecting was the the emotional uh the strong emotions that it would, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm very much a person who was just like, if I don't like something, I just don't interact with it. Uh, so, uh, and I, and this, I think for me, this is like really true and vital to like internet, but also like real life and some situations and stuff like that is if it actively upsets you, maybe don't go looking for it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so reading this, I was like, by the time I was done, I was just like, wow, this is upsetting. Uh, um, but on the one hand, it I think it was a very interesting story towards the end that was uh, that was pretty intriguing. I wanted to see where it went on. I just, you know, wish 
I had braced myself more for that first half of the book um, uh, because there's just uh, once uh, I think reading the description in and of itself would have given me enough warning uh, about what it was about because I mean we've all uh, uh, we've all read like or knew about what happened to the group of girls that were kidnapped by an extremist mm-hmm. group in uh, in Africa. Oh God, what was it? Was it West Africa or North Africa? I, oh, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was like it was Northern Africa, but uh, the group of girls who were kidnapped and sold off as uh, wives and you know sexual mm-hmm. slaves and stuff like that, and the giant movement that happened to bring them back and to get the government involved and stuff like that, and how eventually they did get back, but uh, a lot of the things that the, these girls and these women went through was just traumatic and I was just all like I like I like I I watched that whole thing and I and I kept track of it because it was something that was it was it was upsetting but I wanted to see it come out fruitfully and whereas with this I'm just all like damn I already know this story and I know how it's going to be and I know what it's going to be about and I'm just like this is uh it's not something that I would have wanted to read in fiction because I know it happens in real life. That is a very good point. And it is one of, it it brings up similar reactions to me as when we read um, those Puerto Rican uh, anthologies about Mm -hmm. uh, one of them Mm -hmm. was Puerto Rico strong, but then the other one was the DC one where fictionalized superheroes came in and made everything better. And, and that, that was definitely one of the things here as I was reading this too, is like, yes, this, this is a fictionalized story about a hero that comes in and saves everybody. But we Mm -hmm. all know that this really happens and that nobody got saved. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I can understand the, the want to tell a positive story. And I honestly think that telling these girls stories is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and educating the world that this is happening is really important. Yeah. Um, but the highlighting of the, the violence and, uh, and everything, I, I read a story very similar about a week ago and I, um, they wanted to have, it was worse than this. They wanted to have the book in our shop and I read it and I was like appalled <laughs> and yeah. at least, and, uh, I, I just said, thank you for, you know, your time, but we won't be carrying your book. And that was it. Um, I'm, I'm torn because I feel like the writer here is coming from a place of wanting to do good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I understand that a hundred percent, but, um, like the, the, the thing, the only term that comes to my mind is like how my grandma was saying, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not like I, these, these stories are important because there are stuff that happens and there's some people that don't know that this stuff is happening and stuff like that. But at, at the same time, and she herself, like from her background and everything, I can tell that she just wanted to do something, uh, yeah. like write a story and stuff like that. But I'm just, 
I'm very, very tired of the trope that uh, women superheroes or just like women in general have to go through sexual and very deeply emotional trauma to come out as heroes mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, and like, yeah, like that's that's a valid thing. Like that's it's it's a thing like um, um of like kind of like of like, you know, for like from the from the heart of like from the from the fires of betrayal or whatever and stuff like that stronger steel comes out or whatever um but it's just i i don't know it's, it was just really really exhausting uh reading it and it's not like it was told badly the pacing was it of it was like yeah. pretty good and mm-hmm. the art wasn't that bad and it wasn't overtly um uh, gory and it didn't show the sexual assault happening which I was grateful for because if it was, I don't think I would have made it through the book. But uh, at the same time, just me, myself and stuff like that, I know stuff like this happens and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, I tried to donate to domestic violence and to like, uh, like helping women recover and stuff like that. Like I, like I, like I do this, like I don't need a reminder that this stuff is happening. I know it does. Uh, And it's just, reading it I was just all like damn this book was I don't think this book was made for me um uh, definitely not uh definitely not for me and it's not that it was bad there's I think there's some people who will definitely read it and like feel inspired but again like you pointed out Kristen uh I prefer Puerto Rico Strong over Reconstruction because for me one felt hopeful and like joyful mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm like we will recover from this because this is like we still have so much to look forward to and like and stuff like that while the other one was just like a bunch of what ifs that are yes. never going to happen yeah because they're not real whereas the other one came from a place like hey here's our history here's our background here's what we did here's what our dreams are here's what our hope for the future is this is what we want to be this is what we want to do this is what we want to recover from and while the other one was just all like hey what if a superhero came and saved us and it's just all like that's not gonna happen yeah Yeah. so it's um it's it's a book uh, it's a book that is not for me pretty much no, and I totally get that. Um, one of the goals the writer said is uh, for, and I and I call it Sarai because my name is Sara, mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's how I pronounce the character's name. Uh, the goal for Sarai was to get people talking about human trafficking, uh, one comic book page at a time. So it, her her valid, yeah. It, I mean, her heart is definitely in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the art was magnificent. It's black and white, but I really love uh, the style of drawing that they did for this comic. Um, also, um, and I get it. I, I know where you guys are coming from. It's sort of like when Sansa from Game of Thrones said she had to endure everything she endured to be who she is, who she was at the time uh, where she kind of like looked back at everything she had endured and to become, um, you know, basically the queen of the north uh, but that a lot a large part of that had to endure like um a lot of hardship from joffrey the king who was constantly uh-huh. like um belittling her and all this emotional and 
even sometimes physical abuse and then being raped by uh, that other fellow who married her um, and just raped her on was very savage with her on her wedding day and for her to come back at towards the end of Game of Thrones and say I had to do that I had to live through that to be who I am now and I totally get it because um, uh, that got a lot of flack on Twitter too like uh, how could the writers say that that she had to get raped and you know basically fear for her life and you know to become who she is and you're right um that's usually what they do is like women have to go through like physical emotional abuse and even rape sometimes to come out the other side like a superhero whatever and um that fucking sucks <laughs> but uh-huh. I really, but I did like the magical realism of uh, Shakar Rabu, the god of justice. So, and, you know, I'm all about that because I really like, like, um, I really like cool fight scenes where women are, like, predominantly the stronger opponent. Um, but yes, you're right. And I'm really glad that um, when creating this comic book, they didn't go into, like, a actual drawn, duplicit, uh, sex scene you know like I'm they there was like a, a there's a panel about it but it's like a blur sort of like it, it's not even it's 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 blurry so it's sort of like it, it, it transitioning kind of into the other side of the story so I was really grateful for that but yes on, honestly I knew that this was gonna what after I read it because I'm the first one who read it um, I knew that it was gonna be something that was like gonna be a bit too much because it was too much for me but I like the other side of it, the superhero and how she wanted to save the other girls and stuff like that. And um, I, like I said, I like really badass action sequences when the female character is the predominantly stronger opponent in the fight. So that I really, really liked. Um, and I, and she was like that from the beginning. Even when they, when they were in school, she was basically standing up for the little guys. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so even though this um god of justice gave her superpowers in order to avenge uh, um what had happened to her and what was to, to happen to the other captured girls and what had happened to her um to her male um um uh, students as well like you know it went really let's just say that the comic book went really dark really fast yeah piecing of it wasn't wasn't fast at all and it told a remarkably interesting story uh, I lean more on the magical realism of it so um mm-hmm. so I didn't it didn't displease me but yes it was really uh tough to read those pages where the abuse happened and the interaction with the uh the uh, the what is it the warlord uh, uh, yeah warlord guy guy um extremist group guy um th- that dialogue was uh just I was like oh it's um but you see it in movies too like in uh beast of a nation like that's the conversations they have like uh, I'm going to teach mm-hmm. you a lesson or you know you know we got a feisty one here or whatever you know stuff like that so um that's what I took from it so I so, so the, the oh sorry I just wanted to touch upon how you're saying the magical realism was the part that you know you really um grab gravitated towards and to be honest that is the part of the book where I kind of was like okay, big sigh of relief. We're like going on to, 
you know, this now, but I felt like that part of the book also left me with so many questions. Who the hell was this person? I mean, we know who they are. We know they're the God of whatever, but where they come from, why they choose her um, and what were their plans? And I, I had more questions than anything from that. And then obviously the way that it ended left it open to continue um which was fine i was actually like okay i want to read now because i want to know <laughs> what's going to happen because i want to be um i want retribution for what i for everything i was just forced to endure <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's i i would be willing to read issue number two just to see where it goes mm -hmm. uh and depending on how issue number two goes whether i would continue reading it but it's definitely, I think, a book that um, um, could use uh, some content warnings uh, and definitely um, like if you, the the God part was interesting, I'll admit that. And her powers were, ver were very kind of like Moon Knight-ish, Moon Knight which mm -hmm. I thought was, I was like, oh, hey, this is familiar territory for me. It's kind of, kind of cool. I want to know a bit more about this. Um, um, those were interesting. It did get better towards the ending of the book. It got more intriguing, uh, at least to me. Uh, so I would like to see where uh, that goes. But um, it was, it was, uh, that first half was a pretty much a pretty tough read for me. Yeah. And um, Sonica, the author herself, um, tells a little bit about where her idea for this book actually came. And it was from when she heard uh, a CNN anchor talk about the 200 girls that were abducted from their boarding school. And it was Northeastern Nigeria um, by the heavily armed Boko Haram Islamists. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, she says that she just thought about how those girls must have been so terrified and what abuse they probably um, endured and experienced and um, was there anything that could have saved them um, and so she said to cope with that terrible tragedy on her mind she began to think of what it might be like if one of the girls had the power to fight back so um, and I understand all of that mm -hmm. I totally understand that <laughs> but it was just so I don't know it was it was so and, and I, I, yeah, and it was a lot. I don't know. I mean, we had the warning. Like, Sarah, you're the one who didn't have the warning. We had your warning. <laughs> yeah. But even with that warning, um, and, and I don't want to say that that creators should shy away from this kind of stuff because, like I said, it's so important for this kind of stuff to be known to the greater world, that this is happening and it continues to happen. Um, but content uh, warnings, please. Use <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, I feel like maybe there should have been maybe like, a you know, a lot of the times these books, they have like a little paragraph kind of leading you into the comic at the beginning yeah. of the comic book. That would have. Yeah that would have been cool also we saw in andy starboy how there was a letter from yes the writer at the end of the first issue and that goes a long way like you know because you're obviously trying to evoke emotion in your readers but you also i think it would be super cool if you kind of gave us a little bit of closure at the end mm -hmm. i think that would work a lot better 
Um, I know that sometimes you want to try to have your start, st story be told entirely in the paneling and in the narration and in the dialogue between the characters. But, um, you know, that's not the only limit. That's not, you know, where you should stop. Like definitely, you know, a paragraph introducing the the, the story content and also maybe a letter from the writer at the end is really helpful. Um, even Jen was telling us about 200, how she was reading the uh, the letter from uh, from Jules at the end of yeah. the book. And, you know, that that kind of helped her understand some more mm -hmm. about the, even deeper, a deeper understanding of the story itself. So um, it I read it like I watched um, The Crow, the movie The Crow with uh, Brandon Lee. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I read it. Um, you know, where stuff happens to him and his, his uh, fiance, and then he, he comes uh -huh. back from the dead and avenges, you know, what happened to him and other people in the neighborhood kind of thing. So th that's how I read it. That's why, <clears throat> I mean, I did feel a lot, but it, I was totally... I had the the movie glasses goggles on so <laughs> but and I greatly enjoyed the artwork so uh, so mm -hmm. are we ready to actually rate it sure yeah. all right um I'll start I'm gonna give it two and a half I'm gonna give it two conchas and a cup of coffee I think that's <laughs> just a regular old Sanka <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know bread tastes better with coffee so it's a good marriage it's not entirely tres conchas or, but it's two conchas and coffee so what about you guys so this is Kristen and I am going to give it one and a half conchas um, I don't drink coffee and, and <laughs> that's so, true <laughs> uh, although I I did grow up dunking my um dunking all of my panduce into um Folgers crystals <laughs> oh no it was Maxwell House it was Maxwell House uh, but um nice. so one and a half for me um I, I had a really hard time with all of the violence um and uh I was mentioning earlier that I think I got off easier because I tend to skip pictures when I'm trying to read. So um, the rape stuff, even though it wasn't shown, I kind of glossed over it. I know it was threatened. Uh, I didn't actually infer that it happened. So, um, but I mean, the killing and the, the, that extremist group was like no joke. And it was, it was really hard and um, definitely would have benefited from trigger warnings. And then also, um, I don't know what I, I, I love, honestly, that she was able to get exact her revenge and, and get back at these people. But honestly, the issue that I have, which is the issue I had with the other one, is I can, I can get behind justice. When it gets to revenge, I feel like sometimes there's a little bit lost on the hero like that's no longer a hero to me yeah um so i think that's where the disconnect is for me a little bit um so one and a half conchas for me mm -hmm. well uh this is jen and i'm gonna give it a one concha with the cafe con whiskey 
because I, I fucking need <laughs> that you shit. Need it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, because I mean, objectively speaking, without like looking, without looking at it, the pacing and the paneling was well done. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was it was really well done. Uh, the artwork I was honestly very impressed uh, with as well. Um, um, I I I loved Sarai's look at the end. Uh, and um um and like her outfit and her, like her weapon that uh, Sakarabu gave her that uh, that looked really cool. I did like the story of um uh, justice retribution what have you will. I thought that I thought that was I thought that was um uh, pretty interesting in and of itself as well. Uh, and what she would do, but uh again like like with the most real life annotations of like of like hey like what if like what if like a superhero came in and did this or like was that i'm just all like but a superhero didn't come and some of these people are suffering now or they did suffer and just help came too late or like with the boko haram girls they some of them eventually did get rescued some of them not all of them um like it's just it's in the face of that human tragedy i'm just all like what's a book gonna do besides yeah. be like hey what if this didn't happen but it did and it's just like i don't know i really need a like a shot of whiskey right now is basically <laughs> is basically what i'm saying this blonde um, nail didn't cut it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it, it did not cut it no um, it didn't. <laughs> so i mean but like like our work pacing writing was uh, actually pretty well done I guess it's just most of the contents and I guess uh what uh, and the the and like yeah the the contents and how the how that story went out is what uh wasn't really up to me but I think it's it's an it is an interesting book and it is noteworthy in itself is that that Tonica made it and this is mm-hmm. was her way of processing that and I mean we all yeah. have different ways of processing information uh and how it comes at us and this was just her way of doing that and I mean respect for that um, um it's just you know not 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 my taste yeah and um it's important to say that we have said before on the podcast that um we we feel that people should write what moves them and write a story mm-hmm. that they can, they can stand behind passionately and it shows in this work that she it was passionate about this and she had some feelings about what had happened and she put out a book um sometimes the stories are not for everyone but there are this is a really great um um the way she told it was really great as far as like you know you got a good artist uh the editing was amazing uh, the pacing the writing so all of that were really positive notes on the comic book just you know it was a little bit too violent for some of us but that's okay there are people out there that are gonna like read this book and be like oh my god this is really amazing and and it shows that there's a lot of passion behind this project so I'm mm-hmm. interested to see if there's going to be an issue number two. So, but that's that's been our rating, guys. And definitely make sure this is not a comic book for kids. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. Kristen, what is on my your radar? <laughs> so On My Radar this week is a comic book that just came out 
uh, last week, and it is published by Vault Comics, which is a small publishing company, and it's called Hollow Heart. Now, I read this book um, not knowing anything about what it was about, and I ended it. It was a number one. I don't know if it's a... Um, uh, limited series or ongoing. I'm assuming it's limited, but I freaking loved it. So, um, vault comics has blessed comic fans with a new horror story following queer characters in a futuristic space opera called hollow heart. Um, and so it's a fresh take on a love story and basically, um, what oh and it's written by Alora Tucker um which I who I'm not really familiar with it says that they have written Guardians of the Galaxy but I've not really read much um Guardians before um but basically um Hollow Heart is a space opera brimming with cybernetic metahumans and hulked out super soldiers oozing with testosterone all are two men in the middle of it um, L, who is encased in his own mechanical prison, and Mateo, the mechanic charged with keeping him functioning. So basically, um, L is like, I don't remember what that character in Marvel's name is, but it's basically just like eyeballs and goo inside like this, like cybernetic, like encasing. And that's what the character in the story is. Um, he basically, it's just all his innards <laughs> inside of this like robot casing. And he is a hundred percent in pain, both mentally and physically. And Mateo is a mechanic who gets called, um, on a, a call to help him out with, um, not to help him out, to help the people who are keeping him um, uh, to make sure that he doesn't escape because he keeps trying to escape. But once Mateo realizes that L is fully aware that if he ever is successful in escaping, that means his death, he realizes that this dude, like, he needs his help and he vows to help him. And the writing in this book is just so... So amazing in just one issue, the character development of both Elle and Mateo were so amazing. I like, I had all the feels and I mean, as soon as they said queer love story, I was in. Um, and <laughs> I, I just like Mateo and Elle hardly even interact, but like my heart like just broke for how the writer actually built the small part of the relationship that that they did connect upon in this first issue it's so freaking good and the fact that it is um vault's horror line which is called nightfall um is even one an, another extra positive mark for me because you guys know i love horror and vault is planning on running their nightfall titles for just one calendar year so um i don't know if that means hollow heart is going to run for a year or it's just the the horror comic um uh, imprint is going to be for a year and they'll just try to get as many out during that calendar year as they can i don't know but i'm here for all of it and if this is any indication of the quality of the stories that are coming out 
after this, I am here for all of it. So definitely go to your LCS and get hollow heart put onto your pool because it is freaking amazing. It sounds amazing. You had my interest at like horror sci-fi thing, but then you had my attention when you said queer love story. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds super interesting. That's really awesome. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today I have um, something a little bit different. Juntos y Fuertes is our segment where we try to highlight um, members of marginalized communities that are doing cool, positive things uh, within their own communities, whether it be around comics or um, some kind of creativity in the arts or um, or not. There's so many different ways to be creative. And today I want to share um, about a company called Big Mama's Legacy. Now, Big Mama's Legacy is a company that's actually run by a high school friend of mine. Um, her name is Bridget Davis, and she is a black entrepreneur who started this company all based... Now, the 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 name of the company actually has significance because Big Mama was her grandmother. And basically the um, the recipes that she's used to uh, create her products have been handed down for generations in her family. And the mission statement of Big Mama's legacy is uh, that they want to be a socially responsible leader in providing quality medicine, education, and training and employment to our community's forgotten treasure, senior citizens of all races and backgrounds that will enable them to self-medicate safely and maintain a high quality of life. So basically, um, she has taken locally sourced cannibal, cannibals, <laughs> cannabis <laughs> and ethically sourced raw material to make salves and tinctures and all kinds of stuff um, to help um, seniors um, in their time of need with whether it's arthritis or cancer or whatever and help them to navigate um, using medicinal marijuana. And honestly, it never even dawned on me that this is a community that is highly overlooked when it comes to medicinal um, usage of marijuana. And I have actually um, uh, used some of her products. She had this salve that she gave me and she's like, put this on your sore muscles and rub it in. And she's like, do you have trouble sleeping? I'm like, oh my God, I have so much trouble sleeping. She said, rub it on your feet at night and before you go to sleep and it'll, oh my God, I had the best sleep of my life. <laughs> when I did that, it was so amazing. And rubbing that stuff on my back and on my legs after a run, I mean, it, it's, I, I call her all the time and said, I need some more of that little miracle jar. Um, <laughs> and she laughed. That's the only thing I've ever tried. But um, she has grown this company into so, such a great thing all on her own. And she's local here in Los Angeles to um, Inglewood. And um, they really want to tackle the widespread misuse of pharmaceutical drugs that's been shown to lead to abuse and long-term health and dependency issues 
um, for seniors because I mean, opioid um, usage and um, abuse is really rampant. And so this was her, um, her uh, substitute for that in helping um, that community. So she has been in the news. She's been in the New York Times on KCRW. She's been in Vogue. So check out BigMamasLegacy.com. It's a Black-owned company. She's a strong Black entrepreneur, and she's just an amazing all-around person. So um, BigMamasLegacy.com. That's super freaking awesome. Uh, my husband's been having back pain due to work, so I'm, I'm definitely checking that out for sure. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, ¿qué tenemos en la libreria hoy? <laughs> so today we have the saddest, angriest Black girl in town. It I is, love that uh, <laughs> title. <laughs> I know. I it's it's a great uh, eye-catching title, but it is an autobiographical comic that explores the intersection of blackness and mental health, and it is being done by Jamila Rouser. So it's actually already hit its goal of three thousand two hundred dollars. It's currently at seven thousand one hundred ninety-one, with two hundred and seventy-six backers and twenty-three days to go. But it looks absolutely beautiful. So she has a. Uh, a physical print proof of the comic that she's animated like her flipping through that you can see and it looks beautiful her trailer looks amazing as well but right now she's trying to get to the stretch goal of ten thousand dollars uh where up to 50 jamaican residents can receive discounted shipping so she's like uh she's basically she's getting it so that she can get it uh to um uh, different countries and stuff like that so it's it it's already been reviewed by the comics journal uh by pen america and it's being highlighted on kickstarter as well uh but it looks beautiful she has a little pie chart of where all the funds are going to be going to and um uh, she herself is from miami uh and um uh, and she also runs a, a publishing company called Black Jose Press that specializes in amplifying comics by and for black and brown women. Uh, so uh, the angriest, <laughs> the title is the saddest, angriest black girl in town on Kickstarter. Uh, look it up. Or it might even be featured on one of the first pages there, but it looks amazing. And the base the base uh, pledge to get anything uh, back is $5, which you get the digital comic, or you can pledge $10 and you can get the print comic as well. Uh, pledge 15 and you get the digital and the print comic as well. And from there, you can keep going. There's a retailer and library bundle, which is at $25. And then uh, it keeps it keeps going uh, from there. But I'm... Um, it looks it looks really it looks really interesting and uh, mental health in the black community is uh, a very hot topic as always mm -hmm. and I want to see her take on it as well. I mean her artwork is beautiful so I'm I'm definitely backing this. I back so much stuff since we started <laughs> this segment. I'm just always constantly on the leg up for something new. It's a happy surprise every time something shows up. You're like oh what? <laughs> Pretty much. 
All right, guys, it's time for saludos. Kristen, ¿a quién saludamos hoy? Today, we have saludos to two people. It's actually two groups of people. Um, and this is an amazing feat. Um, and I am so honored that we've had both of these, um, somebody from both of these groups on our show that we have uh, interviewed. And we are saludando today um, Jules Rivera and also um, Chimera Press um, because they have both been nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. So if you don't know what the Bram Stoker Award is, it's, a, it's achievement in horror. It's a, a, a horror writing award. And um, they were nominated in Superior Achievement in a Graphic Novel. So Jules and her writing partner, um, uh, Jennifer Brody, were nominated for Spectre Deep Six. And then from Chimera Press, um, let's see, Nancy Holder and Chiara DeFrancia and Wu Amelia um, were nominated for Mary Shelley Presents. So nice. that is just freaking awesome. I mean, the Bram Stoker Award is like a huge deal in the genre of horror writing. And I mean, I... I just, I'm also looking at the other titles that are here and some of them I hadn't heard of. I'm like, if they're nominated, I want to read them. Um, <laughs> so, and the same to you, just like how every year I used to try to watch all of the Academy Award nominated movies before the Academy Awards um, played out. Uh, I, maybe I'm going to have to start doing the same for these graphic novels um, that are nominated every year. But so big saludos to them. That is such a huge, amazing, um, uh, just awesome success story. And I wish them all the success in the world. Absolutely. Congratulations, Chimera Press and Jules Rivera. And Jennifer Brody, they uh, congratulations. I uh, when do they announce the awards winners? I don't know. This is actually the preliminary ballot. Um, so, uh, and this is um, for 2020, and it says that um, for the finalists, um, the finalists were asked. It says uh, voting was going to be sent out on January 25th. So that's already been over. That's already almost a month. So I'm not sure when they're going to, when the finals are going to be announced, but I would think maybe not too much more. Um, hopefully probably sometime in the spring, which is just around the corner. Awesome. That is yeah, maybe cool. in March or April probably, but yeah, kudos, kudos to them. And I mean, whenever the Eisner Awards were nominated, I would make sure to order the most interesting, unpromising of the ones that we could get and read through them. So definitely feel that, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, here it goes. Final ballot announced on February 23rd. Um, so in about two days. So in a couple of days, that's the final ballot. And then after that, I guess voting starts. It still doesn't say about when the final, when the... Uh, final winners will be announced but or maybe that's not how it works i don't know <laughs> how how it works but um 
we're definitely going to hear something soon. So um, I think that um, there's a pretty good chance we might have uh, a Bram Stoker Award winner as a past guest on our show here pretty soon. Absolutely. because we have an eye for talent. Easy. <laughs> yes, seconded. Also, remember to follow them on Instagram and social media. Uh, that's at Jules Rivera and at Chimera Press. Um, or just Google it because they come right up. They're like the, when you search them, they, they're like the first um, uh, search results. So saludos to them. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us at, girls? As always, you can find us on Instagram at Comadres y Comics and on Facebook at Comic Comadres. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres, where you can send us a DM as well. Yes, you could always email us directly at comadresycomics at gmail.com. Um, also, please be sure to follow our YouTube video channel where we do amazing interviews, including Chimera Press and Jules Rivera. So find them there on YouTube. Just search Comadres y Comics and we'll come right up where the very first result in your search on uh, YouTube. Also remember, you can rate us, uh, rate and review us on CastBox and iTunes, Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Um, also, I mentioned CastBox and also comment on and subscribe to our YouTube video. Um, always remember, you can always find us at periodnetwork.com uh, where you can find other amazing podcasts that are created by women for everyone. Uh, we have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.